I can't speak. What is happening? Hello, and welcome to another episode of After the Applause. This week, we're going to hear from soprano Gina Marie Falk, who is a Boston-based chamber musician with a passion for both early and new music. Through performing in intimate and formal settings, she seeks to break down boundaries, making classical music accessible and approachable for all. Without further ado, let's hear from Gina Marie. I am Gina Marie, I'm a recently graduated master of music. I am a soprano from New York. I have a really cute cat. Her name is Zumi. She's very small. And I think that's the most important stuff. I love that you included Zumi. She is the most important. She is. She's the best. So how would you describe your musical background? I don't have very musical parents. They both love music, which is great. So I was definitely raised with an appreciation of music. Um, We were always listening either to the radio or to CDs. And my dad played some guitar. So that was definitely great to grow up around. I was in choir when I was younger, you know, through school, and I was always singing. And so one day, an aunt of mine suggested to my mom that I start voice lessons because it was something that she thought might benefit me and might be fun for me to try. So when I was about 11 or 12, I started studying privately with a teacher who I was with up until I went away to college. So that was awesome. It was great to have that relationship with her. And I was studying, you know, the normal sort of 24 Italian art songs, and I would do a little bit of musical theater. Um, So it was kind of a really nice foundation to be sent off to college with. I also did a really, really wonderful summer program, which definitely was very, very formative. That's sort of where my interest in classical music, I guess, if you want to call it that, really took off. So I had been taking lessons and then when I was about 16, I went to Nyssa for the first time and I would wind up going a few summers in a row. And yeah, it just truly opened my eyes. So that was great. So can you talk a little bit about what made Nyssa specifically such a positive experience and how it sparked your interest in classical music? Yeah, so I think it worked so well because the faculty were all there because they were friends with each other. Mm. Um, And so that just kind of helped to foster a really supportive environment and a really fun one in which I think we got to see how grown-up musicians worked together in a way that we probably hadn't before, at least not for me. And so that was really awesome. I think also the fact that it was a fairly non-competitive environment um, in which we all were not expected to know everything um, Mm -hmm. was really, really great. I felt really, for probably the first time ever, I felt like I was allowed to make mistakes and like I would be loved and encouraged Mm -hmm. um, no matter what. So yeah, I think that it was definitely very safe. And the students who were there in my time too were just awesome. I mean, as you know, we all bonded super quickly um, every summer and just all really supported each other, which I think is so important, especially when you are a teen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, How would you say that that compared to your experience in your undergraduate and graduate studies at a, you know, full-time music school? I think it prepared me 
really, really well. I think that that was sort of the goal of NISA was to prepare all of us to go on if we chose to, to go on to a career in music. So I wound up going to the undergrad that I went to because of the teachers at NISA, actually. Three of the faculty members worked at East Carolina University, which is where I did my undergrad. And so when it came time to audition for school, I was like, well, I should probably send in some recordings to this place because I know the people there and like, I love them and that would be great. So I think that I sort of had a very similar experience in that I knew these professors, I knew that they were very supportive, fairly non-judgmental. I won't say completely non-judgmental, <laughs> but fairly non-judgmental, especially of their students. So it was definitely a very warm and open environment, which was great. We were all there to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then grad school, I honestly, I just keep lucking out. And I'm like waiting <laughs> for the day that I like meet some nasty people because I just really haven't. Grad school, I went to the Laundry School of Music in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that was another really wonderful, supportive environment. It was a conservatory, but it was like so not a conservatory in the level of competitiveness. I mean, it was just... Everybody was there, again, to learn, to do their best, to support each other. And so, yeah, I think that maybe Nissa sort of taught me about the environment that I enjoyed, and I just kind of have been able to to find similar environments and stick with that. I don't really know, but it's been super nice. I think that's a really excellent point that I have never articulated for myself before, but as you say that, I mean, I think that definitely taught me at an early age that a successful and enriching musical environment does not and should not consist of you feeling bad about yourself all the time. Yeah, and, absolutely. like, the supportive environment that I experienced when I first visited, you know, the University of Maryland, where I ended up going for my undergrad, to me that was one of the biggest factors, is that the students were really well-prepared, were really hardworking and talented, and the faculty were you know, they would push you to do your best, but it was not overly competitive in the way that, um, you know, I had plenty of friends go to schools where they were just always talking about how awful they felt. Yeah, and I think, too, um, there is that sort of generation of, and this is, I'm generalizing for sure, but there is that sort of generation of musician who, you know, they are older at this point, and they, I think, were taught to just accept whatever you got so you had a terrible awful nasty teacher who like was very judgmental and who treated you like crap and who told you that you weren't good enough like that's fine because they were going to help you get places you know Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and I think that as time has gone on we've been sort of getting away from that at least I hope so the culture seems to be shifting and I think that we on top of you know being taught what a a supportive and positive environment looks and feels like. I think that the people who were in charge of our first sort of example of that environment were very much moving away from that style of teaching and performing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So kind of to backtrack a little bit, it seems to me from, obviously I did not go to your graduate school with you, so I could be missing some blanks here, (laughs) but it seemed to me like the kinds of study that you were doing at Longy were a little bit different than um, what I typically see from a master's program for vocal performance. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of music you were performing and the kinds of ensembles you performed with? 
Yeah, so the coolest thing about laundry is that you're kind of free to do whatever you want. And that's, you know, again, not exactly, you know, we have certain guidelines that we have to follow in order to get our degrees, but um, there is a really vast selection or wide selection of courses and performances that you can be a part of. Longi has one of the best early music programs in the Northeast, if not um, anywhere, in my unbiased opinion. And I hadn't really gotten to explore early music prior to grad school. So that was available to me. Um, So I was doing a lot of Baroque and medieval music, which was so cool. I took a course all about Hildegard von Bingen from a truly wonderful human being, Pam DeLal. If anybody who's listening knows her, you know that she is an angel on earth and she is sort of a Hildegard expert. So I learned sort of how to sing Hildegard, which was fascinating and scary because it was just a different system of tuning um, than I was used to. And then I was also able to sing with the Boston Camerata, who tours all over the place, but they are based in Boston. Um, They did a production of the story of Daniel, the play of Daniel, excuse me, which is originally a medieval play. And it's been sort of rewritten and, and reworked to work for the Boston Camerata. And so we were able to take a class on that and I can go on and on and wax poetic about the early music program at Longy for Days, but <laughs> so I was doing a lot of early music, Baroque and Medieval, and then I was also doing a lot of new music. So new music is something that I've always been really, really interested in, um, and that I was able to explore a lot at East Carolina, thanks to the North Carolina New Music Initiative and Ed Jacobs, my hero. He uh, heads up the North Carolina New Music Initiative and basically brings in several artists per year who do residencies, they perform, they teach master classes, they do one-on-one lessons with people throughout the school, and they also always do readings. And so I would attend these reading sessions where these guest artists would come in and perform these these works by people who were my peers, and I was like, that's super cool. So that's how I sort of got started with that, and that's why when I got to Longi, I was like, this is a big sort of priority of mine to continue working on. So I was doing mostly early music and new music, not too much of the 19th century stuff in between. I'd like to take a small break here to listen to Gina Marie sing Hildegard von Bingen's Orubor Sanguinis.
you know, I seem to find, particularly with singers, a lot of connection between new music and uh, early music. It seems to me that most people who stick to the rep between, really stick to the rep between, and people who are interested in early music end up singing a lot of new music and vice versa. I'm not really sure if that has to do with the sound world that both of those exist in. There are definitely some similarities there or use of technique, but yeah, just a, a funny thing that I've noticed because that's kind of where my those two genres are definitely my favorite to sing. Definitely. I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about it because it is sort of a, a funky phenomenon that we see. Definitely similar sound worlds. I think also for a while, um, when early music really got started, we were using a really sort of funky technique that almost sounded like pop music. And so I think that it like, they sort of intertwine a lot more than you would think because I mean, they are on different ends of musical like time spectrum, I guess you could say. But yeah, it is kind of fascinating, but I love living in that world, and I also so admire people who live in that 19th century, um, romantic, amazing, grand world, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely um, two really different things that Mm -hmm. take almost completely different skill sets. Yeah. Um, Obviously related, because that's what you learn in music school, is how to do all of it, but definitely a good amount of difference there. So how would you describe your career goals going forward now that you have two degrees? Sure. This is a really tough question, especially um, since COVID sort of became Mm -hmm. a thing and totally has sort of shifted our idea of live performance, at least for now. So my goal, I don't really know if I have like one specific career goal. I think that at the moment I am hoping for a sort of like mishmash of stuff to like fit together which I'm very excited about but I am super interested in performing not necessarily so much teaching music but definitely gigging around Um, I'm really interested in ensemble work and chamber ensemble work so you know hoping over the next few years to sort of find a couple of groups who have similar interests to me and who maybe have similar like values and and life goals and what have you. I personally, like, I know that you can totally go the living out of a suitcase way with this career, which I think is so cool. I'm definitely a homebody. So I'm hoping to like perform locally, regionally, and get to do all of the fun early and new stuff as possible, as much of it as possible, I should say. I relate to that very deeply. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know. I was actually going to ask you about that, too. I mean, I know that you just finished up undergrad, yes? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I am... The idea that I would never have stability was the first thing that brought up a red flag in my mind when I considered performing full-time professionally um, and what kind of threw me into the existential crisis that I had a few years ago. And... I understand why sometimes it's required to live out of a suitcase, like you said. Like, there are just some kinds of performing that, uh, and some levels of performing, if you're, you know, desirous of a certain kind of audience or to perform at certain kinds of institutions, that's necessary. But, you know, I don't necessarily need to perform at those institutions or uh, perform in these certain places, so I'm perfectly happy performing at a high level regionally or locally, like you said. Yeah. 
Yeah, a thousand percent. I'm totally there with you. Yeah. You know, you said that when looking for small ensembles or chamber ensembles to perform with, you'd ideally be performing with people whose values align with yours. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what specifically you look for when finding collaborators? Yeah, so first and foremost, I really like to work with people who are nice. Um, And that sounds like such a weird um, standard, but as you know, sometimes in the music world, you know, there's sort of, there's a school of thought that um, being sort of cold and calculated and like super smart makes you sort of able to perform a certain type of music or or whatever. It's just kind of... um, funky to me so Mm -hmm. I really love to work with people who are nice who want to perform because they love it and who want to look into certain kinds of music because they really love it because it resonates with them in a certain way um, rather than maybe doing what is most popular or doing um, what is hardest I guess Mm. Um, I basically like have a weird dream of like being a rock star And so I think, and like not actually like a famous rock star, but just sort of like to feel really at ease with an ensemble who is doing the music for the love of it and who is maybe trying to break down some barriers. I mean, I know we could talk about this forever, but the sort of gatekeeping in music, you know, who's allowed to perform what and how much it costs to perform a certain thing, et cetera, et cetera, is not generally of interest to me I would like for music to be open and accessible to everybody so yeah those are my sort of guiding values when talking about performing and when finding people to perform with yeah I I love that completely I think kindness is so overlooked in just art making in general you know people consume art made by people who don't necessarily align with the things that they believe in and I don't know how you feel about this idea that art can be separated from the artist but I don't think that that's really possible so you know especially (laughs) especially yeah especially when looking for collaborators the way that you treat each other totally impacts the end product oh yeah a a thousand percent I mean that's the most important part like you said I mean that's the word collaboration right does not mean like standing on opposite sides of opposite sides of the stage and doing the music and then being done with it like that's not at all how any of this works so being able to understand each other and care about each other and support each other and we can go back to that sort of idea of the supportive rehearsal and work environment that we were so luckily brought into when we were younger I can only hope that that's in store for us who are looking for it. Yeah, for sure. So, kind of changing lanes a little bit, can you tell me about a life-changing or inspiring artistic experience? Can be musical or not? Oh, wow. When I was a freshman, so, and this is a thing too, I was a freshman in undergrad, so, like, you know, brand new, had no friends, like, was mostly keeping to myself, kind of figuring out how everything at school was supposed to work and where I fit um, in the music world, etc. My first ever interaction with the North Carolina New Music Initiative was actually with Roomful of Teeth's residency. And Caroline Shaw is from Greenville, North Carolina, which is where East Carolina is. It is a college town, absolutely. But anyway, so Roomful of Teeth came to ECU to do a residency. 
they performed at this really beautiful church, St. Paul's. It's sort of um, cathedral-like, and it's like super high ceilings and um, really incredible reverb. And so they came to perform, and I had never heard anything like it. And I just remember not only hearing these incredible soundscapes that these eight people were making on stage, but also getting to hear from Caroline about her life growing up in that town and how emotional it made her and how this was also her family's church and you know her mom sings there still to this day in the choir so um I just remember feeling like music sort of can like grow all these like arms and fingers that like reach out and grasp onto a bunch of other things in your life and I just remember thinking that that was so special that like this music brought somebody back to their hometown to share it with people who were from all over the place to you know it was just super super cool and I just remember feeling really really inspired by their performance by the way that they talked about music and just by the atmosphere of that particular performance in general I think what an incredibly beautiful sentiment that music has these arms and fingers that reach out and intertwine in everything who are your role models and why or whose work uh, do you find meaningful and compelling? So, again, I mean, we can bring it on back to Roomful of Teeth and Caroline Shaw. But also, there's a lot of people sort of in that generation and in that sort of, I hesitate to call it like a friend group, but truly they all seem like pals. You know, David Lang and Julia Wolfe and all these people who who create, who write and then create this like really kind of incredible, very visceral music that is new and exciting, but that also feels very familiar. I definitely strive to be somebody's soundtrack someday. I mean, just thinking about the music that these people make, like Partita for Eight Voices, that's Caroline Shaw's, and um, this really, really visceral music that, like, is written with, like, the sounds that these people hear on a daily basis. I don't know. It's just kind of fascinating to me, and I would love to be able to work like that and to draw inspiration from everywhere. And so, yeah, and I think just their introspective qualities are fascinating and wonderful and I strive to look inward as often as possible especially as a musician I think it's very easy to project um, insecurity or struggles or confusion outward when a lot of times I think that it can be solved sort of just by working on yourself this is a really hard thing to answer but yeah I think those three people definitely are my big role models that's awesome. I yeah. I just relate immensely to everything that you're talking about, um, and it's not even worth me going into why, because it's basically just a regurgitation of everything that you just said. So, okay, final question. It's a fun one. Shouldn't be hard. What have you been listening to nonstop lately? Ooh, okay. Um, you know, I have found myself going back to SZA's album Control. Mm-hmm. That is one of my, like, favorite, favorite summer albums of all time. Me too. Um, So that has been great, especially this past month I've been sort of in the process of moving. And so I feel very, um, I feel just, like, really badass and independent when I listen to that album. So that's a great one. I've also been, so since COVID 
and everything. I have been lucky enough to find a job that allows me to teach mostly from home or essentially completely from home until about right now. Um, I am teaching French. And so that's been a blast. But I've been like, wow, I'm kind of out of touch with like what French music is cool at the moment. Mm. So I've been listening to a lot of Angèle um, as well as Pum like the word for apple in Mm -hmm. French they're super super wonderful both of them kind of different sounds but really really great in their own right and I definitely recommend listening even if you don't speak or understand French um, the music is really fun again very sort of uplifting and emotional but like not in like a sad rainy day emotional way like it, it can definitely be you can definitely reflect on it while you're like driving or while you're walking or doing whatever so I highly recommend awesome I have the one yeah. French artist that I have any like real it's not even real knowledge just like periphery knowledge about or peripheral knowledge about is <laughs> do you listen to yell oh yeah yeah just she, she's great <laughs> no she's perfect I like her a lot she was actually the first French pop artist I ever found out about and that was because Back when iTunes was so generous and used to give us a free download every week, she was one of the featured artists, and I was Mm. immediately obsessed. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. All right, my love. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was really, really fun, and it was nice to chat with you. It's been a while. Thank you for tuning in once again to After the Applause. If you want to know more about Gina or hear more of her work, you can find her at ginamariefalk.com. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Emily Schalbetter. Our theme music is by Gabe Hightower. If you like what you hear, you like listening to this podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at After the Applause Pod or become a patron through Patreon at patreon.com slash after the applause. Your financial support is greatly appreciated and greatly welcomed. So check that out if you're interested and I will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.